Uh, wow. Kind of keep forgetting that the AFC East is just every team doesn't seem to have a plan whatsoever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions from... It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. That'll be the intro. So hey, we got Connor, <laughs> we got Harry. How you doing? And we got Ronan. Hello. Finally back after our lovely off-season. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? Yeah, grand. Um, two stags and two weekends over the last two weeks, so one of them yours, obviously. So yeah. uh, I'm pretty beat and don't plan on doing anything interesting for the next little while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seems logical. Uh, what, yeah. what about yourself, Ronan? Any crack? Well, I was on the same stag, so uh, still <laughs> recovering somewhat from that, but uh, got a new laptop as well. I've been without a laptop for basically the whole period during which we were off the air. It's nice, it's new, I'm pretty happy with it right now. <laughs> Much better, maybe getting better audio from Cork, you know, from now on. Almost certainly. Mm. So all that sweet, sweet 4K porn now. I was just about to say. <laughs> Wait, they do it in 4K, I was about to say 1080p, but they do 4K porn now. Pretty sure they, I It seems unnecessary. Yeah, I for that, like, do you, do you have to hook that up to like a big screen to actually see the impact, or, or like have laptop screens? Like, I don't know, like the most recent laptop I bought is like a six-year-old or like a five-year-old laptop that was refurbished. So I don't. You know, this doesn't have a 4K screen. I can tell you that for a fact. But, uh, <laughs> I can tell you my porn is blurry and pixelated. Mm, that's just because you're into that Japanese stuff. I would rather be a country where where you have porn, but you're not allowed to show dicks. Yeah, really strange. Just, like it kind of what? maybe goes to the extent to explain the like the weird like tentacle monster it, it stuff. It literally does, yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Bizarre. This has been a strong start to getting back on the horse uh, for the All Four Quarters podcast. We'll fly through a few quick bits of news, but basically what we're starting now is our preseason previews, essentially. So we're going to go through division by division. What we're planning to do is chop each one into its own episode. So if your team's in the AFC East or you're interested in the AFC East, this will be the podcast for you. The next one that you'll see coming out probably about a week afterwards will be the AFC North and a few bits about that and so on until we get through all of the divisions, uh, some of them more relevant than others, we'll say. So we'll kick off, I suppose, with a few bits of news. Uh, the NFL have decided to legalise gambling. Uh, well, no, rather, the, uh, <laughs> the US have decided to make it a non-federal issue, and therefore we're expecting to see a shitload more gambling in sports and sports entertainment. So uh, what do we think about this, lads? Is this just kind of, as we say, kind of to be expected at some point as soon as they were able to realise the revenue streams? Nobody was gambling on sports beforehand. I know, it'll be such a change. Yeah, weird. Um, I mean, look, it's just, it is just another revenue stream thing. I think the NFL we saw with this or the daily fantasy stuff very much is not going to feel bad about this in any way, shape or form. They're probably quite happy. I mean, obviously, despite the moral hand-wringing over Las Vegas, that was all bullshit. It's good money. They like money. People in the States bet huge amounts of money on sport anyway uh, before this ruling so it, it really changes very little except making a few rich people richer and a lot of people poorer I think yeah I think that's pretty much what's going to happen any thoughts on this Fitz? yeah like the only big thing is that obviously similar to how the uh, the day fantasy stuff was kind of shut down by certain jurisdictions keeping it illegal until every state makes it legal or at least all the relevant markets such as Texas and New York etc make it legal you won't have it interrupting your news feed right now Obviously, we're over here in Ireland and Europe. Gambling companies are all over every single sports uh, presentation during the advertisement breaks. America currently is done that and just enjoy the lovely ads about, you know, Viagra and trucks instead. I don't know how much they would deal with uh, gambling companies being there instead, but they won't have to do that just yet, but that could be coming up in the near future. Yeah, I'd imagine it'll come in pretty soon. Other kind of more pan uh, NFL news, Donald Trump decided that he wasn't going to let the Eagles come along to the White House, said he wanted to stop it, uh, whereas realistically, from what we gather, basically, fuck all the Eagles were planning to come along in the first place, and it's kind of blown up on his face a little bit in terms of PR uh, management. Yeah, he held a little event, apparently, which was mostly attended by staffers. I was actually was listening to an interesting thing about the Chinese company that make all the flags for his campaigns mm-hmm. at the moment and how they're worried that the new trade oh trade God. war thing is going to impact his ability to buy flags for his uh, 2020 campaign, which apparently they've already started ordering, which is uh, always nice to see. Hooray. We'll fly through a couple of bits of news from around the league now. Uh, what we're going to try and do is, because it's the off-season, there's not a wild pile happening, we're going to try and integrate as much of the player news and stuff into the reviews of those teams as we possibly can. 
There's a few big ones to get out of the way first. So Atlanta have decided they wanted to hold on to quarterback Matt Ryan. They've given a five-year, $150 million contract with $100 million guaranteed. Makes him the first $30 million quarterback or average per year quarterback and kind of starts to really set that market because we're looking at around this value given the Kirk Cousins contract. This is a locking down their franchise guy kind of deal. This is what we're going to have the likes of Aaron Rodgers at all looking as the baseline, I presume, next year or two. Yeah, it is. And I think the sort of the Kirk Cousins thing made this kind of numbers inevitable. Um, we've seen obviously trending up and obviously, you know, the cap increases. But it's, it's a big contract with Matt Ryan sort of shown in recent seasons that he can be an MVP caliber Quarterback, yeah. you can't put a price on that really, so you just have to pay whatever the market dictates. They can, it's about 150 million for five years. <laughs> <laughs> you work for the bank. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, look, it does it does set the market. And I mean, you imagine somebody like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, who are Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, will be in a uh, much stronger position to negotiate now or even just start their negotiations at a much higher point than they would have even even a, a year ago if these sort of contracts hadn't happened. No, of course. Um, it makes complete sense to the Falcons. Like They're not a team with a particular need to blow things up and start reinventing the wheel right now. They found a nice groove. They found some success um, with Ryan. So it's like, look, let's, let's keep this going. Let's keep building around him. Lock him down. Yep, it's a huge chunk of the cap, but that's what you, that's what you no, need to pay to keep to keep talent at this level, at this stage. The other big dollar deal that happened was Dallas assigned guard Zach Martin to a six-year, uh, eighty-two million with forty million guaranteed. This is a huge contract for the guard that I believe they drafted in the spot where Jerry wanted to draft Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, he's a key member of that offensive line. It's important to lock him down. Although it is interesting to see that offensive line, and we'll discuss it when we get to that team in our previews, uh, maybe don't have as strong an entity as they might have previously done or as people might be ranking them to have. Mm. So I suppose, do we think this is a smart job to lock this guy up there, Fitz? Yeah, well, if you look at the kind of contracts that were given out to offensive linemen in the free agency time, like this isn't that much more than what they were given. I think Dallas has set a very much an identity right now with Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line pull a bit, pulling the rest of the team along with Rob Marinelli, you know, making uh, making wine from some pretty shit defensive. So I think like Zach Martin, he's been very good. He's like Pro Bowl at least, often all Pro level. I think for players like that on the offensive line right now, you just yeah they're busy with the exception of quarterbacks in the one position that you pay for because we all know coming from the college levels good offensive linemen are like hen's tea right now you just can't get them yeah no of course uh before we get on to our next bit i suppose we must do an update on our mock draft results we did horrendously poorly uh so i came out on top scoring 10 points which i think was three correct perfectly correct spots and one where I had the player in the position Harry came second with three thank you Leighton Van Der Esch my only <laughs> correct call of the draft he is tied with the consensus pick which is also on three uh, was that also Leighton Van Der Esch uh, no I think the consensus pick was if you give me you a second oh, Isaiah Wynn Wynn. the Patriots oh, okay which, that's that's impressive because yeah. that's, uh, that's I think that was one that nobody had picked and kind of just was the, yeah, default, was the default consensus yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. that was the best player available at that point yeah. And then uh, Ronan really knocked it out of the park with zero. Congratulations. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> to be fair, the problem was just that he hadn't quite factored in the trade that occurred, uh, which was that Oakland decided to trade a third round pick for wide receiver Martavis Bryant from Pittsburgh in the middle of the draft. Uh, this is an interesting move. They're looking to obviously add to their wide receivers. So Oakland, in their currently very confusing trajectory that we will discuss, uh, I think, in two weeks' time, have appeared that they wanted to trade good trade capital for a player who is on a one-year deal uh, looking to get paid, has huge amount of histories with problems with uh, substance abuse and the authorita in the NFL, and it would appear from recent news might be facing a one-year suspension. Yeah, I mean, this is classic Oakland, right? This is like an Al Davis throwback. Like, it's, let's get the guy who can run the fastest in a straight line. And overpay for him and not pay any attention to all the shit surrounding him. This is baffling. Yeah. Absolutely baffling to give up a third round pick for Bryant because they must have known. Every, like everyone was no everyone knew that Pittsburgh were actually trying to shop him yeah. and no one wanted anything to do with him. Because like we said, expensive, fun year player, 
bad track record, terrible teammate last year, causing issues in the media the whole time. And like we said, the, the development since then, very baffling. But it's one that we'll go into, but we thought we'd best mention, because by the time we get to Oakland in three weeks, he might already have been suspended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> In terms of injuries, we have uh, one or two big ones to mention. Uh, the LA Chargers, it's starting again. It started. <laughs> Tight end Hunter Henry expected to be having a huge season for himself and really solidifying himself in the upper echelon of tight ends, has torn his ACL and is gone for the season. This obviously has a huge impact on what they can do, but also means it reopens the door for Antonio Gates to come back. Old man Gates at 47 years old. Yeah, this is... Yeah. this. This is not fun. Um, I mean, again, like, <laughs> what is it with ACLs in that place? Like, I mean, they've moved to a different city and they're still all dying. Yeah. It's it's a big blow because Henry had sort of really shown a lot of potential, a lot of development in the right direction and was, yeah, pushing into being like, possibly, you know, this guy could be a top top 10, possibly even top five, like, receiving tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the thing. It's like, we need to move on from Gates at some point. Like, he's a legend, but he, he is old. And he dropped off, his production dropped off massively last season. Uh, but Henry has had a has had quite a bit of an injury history at this mm-hmm. point, and you're worrying that this might again be the trajectory for a guy like this who has all this potential, but whose just body can't keep up with it. Yeah. And we do see that particularly with those bigger frame tight ends who play in that more and pass catching role now. Mm-hmm. That the the wear and tear and strain their bodies go through is is way more than what that position would have had beforehand so it's it's a worrying sign for this guy and hopefully he can you know bounce back in the same way that we saw Keenan Allen for example yeah. finally get healthy last season and do wonderful wonderful things mm-hmm. but yeah it's a problem for LA that they're going to find themselves going back to Antonio Gates who for all of his, his, his reputation for all the fact that he can still do certain things is now quite a limited player yeah. um, in terms of what he can do you could just see you could see it in the splits of the games whenever they allowed Hunter to be the lead tight end in the games last season and just how much yeah. more success they got you could, you could easily argue that they would have made the playoffs if they just started Hunter Henry from the start of the season rather than trying to boost up Antonio Gates to get that record yeah. um, I think Virgil Green is the best like tight end on the roster right now so yeah, I think Gates will be getting a call sooner or later. Mm, Virgil Green, best tight end on a roster. That's <laughs> that's 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 the that's the uh, Denver Broncos year of sadness throwback. Mm, Fedarowitz, uh, <laughs> isn't he concussed out of the league at this point? He's retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seattle Seahawks safety Cam Chancellor has indicated he's not going to be coming back this year. Uh, initially, this was reported as being retirement, but it's not. It appears that he's not been cleared medically to play football due to his neck injury and the risk of paralysis. So what this means is he will be not playing. Uh, he is still due a number of millions of dollars from the Seahawks. They're in discussions now to try and figure out is there a way to, con- uh, to, to, to convert that into some type of bonus payment to get it off the books a little bit quicker. But obviously this has impacts for both uh, the fact for, for the other players who are currently in holdout discussions for Seattle, but also how effective that legion of boom can now be that so many pieces seem to be falling away. What's your take on this, Ronan? Well, yeah, firstly, you know, it's incredibly sad for Cam Chancellor, like I think anyone, no one would ever doubt his willingness to play through injury and his willingness to play football in a, you know, relatively, to its fullest, basically, in a physical <laughs> sense. And it's incredibly sad to see kind of like the penultimate member of the Legion of Boom basically be done here. I think from the financial side, all that money is guaranteed. Well, basically, most of his contracts for the next few years is guaranteed for injury, something which he held out for to try and get a year early, which they then gave last year, unfortunately, just before this happened. And I think they, they may release them, but, but convert it into a bonus uh, just because that'll give them more cap flexibility. But most of all, like this is just, it's really sad for the Seattle Seahawks. They have, they have Bradley McDougall, who did a decent job of strong safety last season. I imagine he'll be playing there again. He wasn't bad. He was pretty good, actually. Uh, but I think Cam Chancellor, it's not just what he brought to the field, but what he brought to that locker room. He was basically seen as a leader of that Legion of Boom, the one who put the boom in the Legion of Boom, effectively. And I think without him, that Seattle defense that we all kind of came to know for that you know, four or five-year-long five year long period is basically done. There's still good pieces there. You have Bobby Wagner, Earl Thomas, perhaps. Uh, KJ Wright, etc. Uh, but I don't think the defense will ever be the same dominant unit that it was during that stretch when they were winning Super Bowls and not winning Super Bowls in most unfortunate circumstances. Yeah, it's interesting. We've kind of got a combo of two things happening at the same time because we have kind of a number of players being credited away and some of those older players moving out. Uh, and then you've also like the kind of intentional 
kind of refresh to, to to the team uh, and we've heard stuff about that in the media about the Seahawks over the over the off season. We will discuss it in more detail when we come to them. But it's interesting to see that we've got both the planned kind of movement away from their old core and this kind of indirectly planned kind of movement away happening simultaneously which might just kind of speed up the process a bit more than we would have expected otherwise uh, crime and punishment we've had a lot going on we'll hit a couple of the larger <laughs> number of things here uh, Tampa Bay quarterback Jameis Winston of eating his fingers for a W fame has gotten three game suspension related to uh, the apparent groping of an Uber driver back in 2015 this is to do with the conduct policy of NFL players, so it isn't necessarily tied to what did or didn't happen with the with the Uber driver. So there's not going to be as much of a tumultuous kind of uh, appeals process attached to this. It's due to the fact that he didn't report it, and then whenever it was initially discussed, lied about it, and so did his teammate. Turns out that there's a full story around that that we'll probably go into when we cover the books. But basically, Jameis Winston, this has been a recurring theme around him for the last couple of years, this kind of sexual impropriety being a cunt kind of stuff. Jameis Winston needs to be out of the NFL at this point, and I don't think that's a bold or controversial statement. Jameis Winston has engaged in patterns of abusive behaviour, only some of which we probably know about. There are multiple allegations at FSU. There are the things he's said in public appearances uh, to female audiences. There are things he said about women in public appearances to non-female audiences. And then there was this. The fact that he only got three games is a joke. The fact that he essentially got it reduced from six to three by agreeing not to appeal Mm -hmm. is a joke. And another indication that the NFL is just absolutely flailing around when it comes to enforcing its personal conduct policy for these issues. It makes no sense after we saw them go through hell and back to enforce the full length of Ezekiel Elliott's suspension that they would literally give Jameis Winston three games off for not giving them any hassle. Yeah, And that casts a huge amount of doubt on exactly what the NFL's priorities are here and whether or not they have yet figured out how serious this is. The Buccaneers should release Winston at this stage. They should say, fuck it and do the right thing. They're not going to because business is business. But he should no longer have a career here. And the one, the other interesting sub-story from this, I know you said we'd talk about this a bit more later, but I think this is worth mentioning because this player yeah. actually play for the Bucs and you probably forget. Ronald Darby was found out to have lied to cover Winston. Here's, here's the thing. It, and Ronald Darby was the same person who gave Winston his alibi during the sexual assault case in FSU. There's an interesting development to that one, which is what I was going to talk about, which is that it turns out that Ronald Darby wasn't directly lying about this. It's that there were two different Ubers taking that night. So they were at a team event, and now they haven't said as much, but it would appear that James Simpson was hammered or a pain in the arse. They decided it was best to get him the fuck, to, to get him out of there. So him, Ronald Darby, and two or three others got an Uber back and then they went back to the team facility or wherever they were all staying. Seamus Winston decided he hadn't had enough fucking fun yet and left on his own, went back out to the thing, and then they literally physically just put him in an Uber, and apparently it's that second Uber where this occurred. And it's also worth noting that the third person present on night is currently serving a 15-year jail sentence for sexual assault. Yeah. So, yeah, fuck Seamus Winston. He shouldn't be in the league. 100%. Um, if either the box of the NFL want to take this seriously, he needs to be gone. Yeah. End of. I'd imagine that we're probably looking at a spot where the... Bucks are probably at the end of this year looking to cut ties, shift him and the coach out, and just kind of get rid of the whole lot. Uh, it's kind of like how they had to like really hose that place down when they had all that MRSI yeah. stuff going on. They just need to they need to give a proper clinical cleanse again. And New Orleans running back Mark Ingram has been centered for four games for a PED violation. He's going to appeal this, uh, but as we'll find out in a minute, uh, a lot of these PED appeals don't seem to be going too well. Uh, this is obviously a bit of a shot to that running back tandem that they had running there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the young rookie is going to be able to handle the, the load on his own. Well, second-year player now, Alvin Kamara, but... Uh, He's still a rookie yeah. to me! <laughs> like... There's a lot of talk from the Saints that they'll try and get some of the other running backs involved, but yeah, I think this is an opportunity to see what Alvin Kamara can do in that role, because Mark Ingram has generally been seen as someone who is looking to get, well, generally doesn't pay, like, doesn't play for less money necessarily, so I think Kamara will, I think they'll give Kamara a good shot at this. Um, I think in terms of New Orleans, it reduces dynamicism of their offence a little bit, but I think when you have Drew Brees, you have Michael Thomas, you have Alvin Kamara, you have that offensive line, which has started to become quite good. I don't think they'll miss him too much. I think he was just kind of having that luxury of two kind of number one running backs uh, with one on a rookie contract was a nice bonus, but it wasn't what made that offense tick last season. 
Other news, New England wide receiver Julian Edelman has been suspended for four games for PED violations. Have you been calling him, uh, Harry? Yeah, Pedelman. Pedelman. Yeah, so uh, the, the only thing that was really all that surprising about this is that apparently the substance that they had could not be identified by science. And the scientists were working around the clock to figure out what exactly it was he had been... That, that was what uh, that was that was he's been ba- eating lunch pails that was the basis of his appeal as well he was like well it's not on the list of banned substances <laughs> you don't know what it was uh, it shouldn't have been in my body but that's fine but that, it, it's an interesting sort of I think it's an interesting like notes obviously I'm very dis- we're all very disappointed in Jules but he is like 100 years old and tiny so I guess it yeah. kind of made sense uh, he also shouldn't have done it very bad but um I, we drafted some other tiny white guy, Braxton Barrios or whatever, so that's just ah, going to be fine. But there. what's interesting about this is the thing you note, because we know that there's a constant arms race between what players are taking and the techniques players are using to avoid getting caught mm-hmm. and testing. And it's quite interesting that this is clearly a substance that isn't standardly tested for, which would be what we would expect high-end players to use, the kind of thing that, that, that the, even the testers might not even know about, but they yeah. were still able to detect that there was something wrong and something there that shouldn't have been there. And I think that's actually... Uh, an under uh, under emphasized story of this is that this is a, this is an unusually effective piece of testing, mm-hmm. and it'll be interesting to see if that results in us seeing even more than we usually. We've already got a shitload of PED violations mm-hmm. this off season, but it'll be interesting to see if we start seeing more of this kind of thing of like unknown substances turning up. But there in lies because there's, there's an interesting thing, and we'll probably have a long chat about this at one of the points uh, during the off season or at the start of the season about the dynamic that this provides. Of we've mentioned about the strange overreach of powers that the NFL Central Committee seem to have to be able to just dole out punishments whether they can justify them or not and their inability to act on certain other ones and the fact that this is once again then going well we don't know what you're doing we don't have any proof that you've taken anything in particular but uh, we're still going to, to deal with it so we can see that it can be used as a positive in certain spots like this or as a, as a, as a mechanism to counter some of the bad things but also it in itself is giving additional kind of uh, just just let's say fair power to Commissioner Goodell yeah like there's a few other bits but like uh, Eric Reid has started a collusion case against the NFL same guy as Cap is running it for him and he's also expected to be leaving the Bay Area because he sold his house there so we'll see how that develops uh, as he's presumably going to end up even with everything presumably going to end up joining some team by the time that we roll around to the start of the year and uh, Jason Witten is probably the most relevant of all of the retirements after 15 years uh, and D'Angelo Hall as well but he's slow at this point so we're kind of <laughs> Not that Witten was particularly fast, but yeah, we just Don't thought we'd be fast when you're open. We thought we'd give you a couple of just tippets of the high bits of the news before we moved on to uh, the main part of this and the next seven uh, podcasts, which is going to be our previews of the divisions, and we're going to start this week with the AFC East. Okay, so first up, we're going to have a look at the AFC East, uh, or as we like to call it, Pats and Friends. Uh, <laughs> We'll open up with uh, the Bills. Last year was a surprisingly decent turnaround for them. They had their first playoff berth in donkey's years. Uh, coming up with a surprise, was it 9-7? and seven, I think they snuck them in in the tail end. So they, it's been a bit of a tumultuous offseason, I think it's, it's safe to say. Uh, do, you, do you want to give a quick overview of them? In a, like, I'll give you like 30 seconds and then we'll move into, kind of, I'll move into well, additions. Okay, I'll, I'll take the Bills. I'll take the Bills then. Everything, <laughs> everything that, that that got the Bills into that playoff run, all of the key things that like came together are gone now. They got rid of all of them. They got rid of Tyrod Taylor after spending the entire season openly trying to get rid of Tyrod Taylor. They now have uh, yeah, AJ McCarron and Josh Allen. I think is yeah. their quarterback. Oh, and Nathan Peterman still knocking around there. None of those are good. They've got rid of, they've lost their best O lineman, which is a huge problem because they're going to be massively reliant on 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 McCoy to run the ball. They no longer have guys who can block from, like, Cordy Glenn was was a, a, a top 10 left tackle. Eric Woods was a top 10 center. And Eric Woods, obviously, unfortunately, had yeah. a target to help. Richie Incognito was an arsehole, but he was an upper tier guard. <laughs> and they brought in, like, it's just all the good stuff is gone. I, what are the Bills doing, Connor? Yes. So this is the question. Why, when you have your first successful season in a very long time, do you decide to flush it all away? Uh, so as, as Harry's kind of alluded to here, so kind of big additions are their new quarterbacks of Josh Allen and AJ McCarron. Uh, they've added Starley Tulele, Tremaine Edwins, and Trent Murphy. And they've also added Martian U.S., uh, Russell Boudin, and Wyatt Teller. Those are offensive linemen, in case you didn't know. Yeah. No one knew them before this season. These are who are going to replace those elite Pe- offensive line People, people will not know who they are after this season either. <laughs> uh, they decided to get rid of Tyrod Taylor because they still believe in... Um, 
What's Nathan, Nathan, Peterman? Nathan Peterman? <laughs> Not even Nathan His Peterman. Name was His name was Nathan Peterman. His name was Nathan Peterman. Got rid of, like, lost Eric Woods, Richie Incognito, Cordy Glenn, EJ Gaines, Sherry's Wright. Like, I, I, honest to God, I just, because even, like, even to, during the season last year, there was no sense of, kind of, concurrent plans of, like, the bringing in uh, Kelvin Benjamin and stuff like that there, even though, like, he wasn't performing at the time. And I, oh, yeah. So, I suppose... The first probably big question we're going to have for this Bills team going into the season is who's actually going to be under centre for them. So obviously they've got the rookie Josh Allen in there who people think has a lot of upside but probably not day one starting material. They picked up AJ McCarron, the highly sought after Bengals backup. Now that is not a not a phrase I'd ever have to say. We've got the Bengals shitty O-lineman now as well, don't Yeah, so. um, and then they've also got Nathan Peterman in there who is famous for, was it four interceptions? Interceptions in five. five interceptions in his in his opening game, and now what you'd have thought is they've got three quarterbacks here. They're going to be able to get rid of him. No, apparently, according to the staff, uh, Peterman is doing real well and has a strong chance to start week one. So, who's under center? Uh, uh, who cares? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shit anyway. They're going to get sacked fifteen times. So whoever they really want to sacrifice in the first four weeks, McCarran. That's, so McCarran is the natural candidate to get absolutely destroyed for four weeks, maybe five, six weeks, depending on their feeling, before they throw Josh Allen in by at least week eight or something like that. I think Allen will be playing by the end of the season, whether it's Peterman or McCarran playing for the first section, it doesn't really matter because without an offensive line, they can't get the run game going. And we saw that, like, and with all the talent they have, like Kelvin Benjamin's still there, like that's great if you can stay healthy, but besides that, who else are you throw into? No one. Like Zay Jones, come on! Like it's just a, it's just a team that is going to be a worse version on the offense than it was last season. Like last season, the offense was interesting but not that effective. This season is going to be even worse. The only reason they might win any games is because the defense uh, under the coach should be under McDermott can be pretty good, and that'll keep them in close enough games. Uh, maybe if it snows again, that that'll help as well. But no, this this like I think it'll be McCarran to start, maybe Peterman if they really want to try that shit again. It'll be Allen by week eight. That's what really matters. Mm. Yeah, couldn't agree more with that. But as we mentioned, they kind of lost three stalwarts on their on their offensive line. They've brought in some journeyman randos and some yeah. and some Cincinnati boys. This team is going to get shit housed. Like I, I'm not going to you know spoil what my <laughs> prediction is going to be for them. But this team is bad, and this is a bad spot. If they want to like fuck around a quarterback and leave it on their running back, they've got to give him some help. They are not doing that by taking away the best run blockers on the team. Um, th- this is going to be a-, a struggle, and they are going to have to, as you said, grind defensively to win games because they're not going to have any choice in the matter. Yeah. This is a team that is going to struggle to move the ball, and this is a team that made the playoffs struggling to move the ball consistently, but with the run blocking that Shady could get and with the... The things Tyrod Taylor could do, even though he wasn't consistently a great passer, um, he but what could he consistently could do, not turn it over he, is what he yeah, could do. He was very was careful with the ball, and he also was capable of making occasionally very, very good plays. They don't have that anymore, and I don't see what this has. Like, just everyone just runs in a straight line, and Josh Allen's gonna fuck it eighty yards. Like, yeah, I, I don't understand the strategy. I'm worried for this team. I think I've figured out their strategy. I've just been looking through the order of their games. So the reason they have three quarterbacks on the roster is one is going to be in there for the first six games and then get murdered because they've got Ravens, Chargers, Vikings, Packers, Titans, Texans in the first six, right? So that's I thought you, get, I thought you would get murdered in the Ravens game, whatever. <laughs> I don't know, we'll see. Uh, and then, so, you get, so at that point after the first six games, you bring someone in for, I think it's only a four-game stretch for them. It's a bit softer. It's Colts, Patriots, Bears. And then he goes Jets, and then suddenly Jaguars, dead, <laughs> dead. Jets, Jaguars right after each other. Uh, and then you finally get like a nicer bit on the tail end just to see what the rookies got. So you've got Dolphins, Jets, uh, Lions, Pats, Dolphins. So that's it. They can see out the final five games. But this being the Bills, they'll put Allen in once McCarron goes down. They'll finish out the season starting Nathan Peterman. Yeah. Like this, yeah. And like this will be one of the worst teams to watch this season. That's, that's what I feel. It's going to be... This is basically, hopefully, one of the last times we'll talk about the Bills this season, and the season hasn't even started yet. Uh, <laughs> and I, yeah, it's like it's not quite the Jets last season, even though they ended up overperforming. But it's just it's almost worse because their defense will keep it close, but in almost kind of futile way because that offense is just going to troll away mm. so often. 
No, of course. Uh, I, I think I think there's there's a chance for them if they can establish something. Because I don't know enough about like I don't know who these old linemen are. I don't have much faith in them, but I also know that I don't know enough to very well decide whether or not they'll fit a system or not. If nothing else, if they keep rotating quarterbacks, it'll be hard to have tape on them. So instead uh, <laughs> of the tape, like keeping their limbs attached, oh, and work with Nathan Peterman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but may- maybe it's all a massive double bluff. Maybe like the plan was to get Nathan Pittman in this year. Just give him a load of fake tape to prepare against. <laughs> I see. Um, oh, this guy isn't throwing it right to us. Yeah, what no, we do? No, I just, I just noticed that I think I've got a I've got a significantly better win total than either of you yeah, guys you do. do. Yeah. And I'm now thinking to think back to why the fuck did I do that? Uh, Harry, what's your win total for these guys? Uh, three and thirteen, and I think they'll be the second worst team in the AFC. Very good. And Ronan, three and thirteen. I haven't tracked where they are exactly in the NFC, but near the bottom, you can assume. Yeah, I've got them at 6-10, and 10, winning a couple of games, and I'm just going to check now what that leaves them at. That puts them on mine as the ninth. Hmm. Uh, we will move on to the Dolphins. So, the Dolphins have decided to load up their offense, so they brought in Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, and Frank Gore. <laughs> and... Josh Sitton, the Brock Lobster. <laughs> Robert Quinn and Minka Fitzpatrick coming in as well on the defense. Uh, they lose Natalkansu. Uh, Jay Cutler, who has not set up for 100% that he's retired. Uh, Matt Moore, Jarvis Landry, and Mike Pouncey. Good God, like, this is just. Oh, please. This isn't like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's like throwing the baby out just for the crack. <laughs> Like, keep the bath water like. yeah bath like cold bath water Extra that's all you've got water. like oh suck that down boys that's sweet this is just so bad uh, Tannehill is returning to be the starter it's going to be his year boys it's always going to be his year like this is this is a team that has gotten I think markedly worse in every single position outside of maybe safety uh, yeah <laughs> um, yes <laughs> I mean, I, I don't quite know. I don't quite know what to say about the Dolphins. Like this is. I mean, no, no. I mean, look, Tannehill is better than Jay Cutler. Well, I, I he mean, was better than Jay Cutler a year and a half ago when he played. He'll try. He'll try. <laughs> yeah. What like, Jay Cutler could do. No, this is this is wow. I mean, like this is. I had such faith in Adam Gase, and I don't anymore. Like this team is spinning in fucking circles. I mean, yeah, offloading Sue's. Sue, that's 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 a positive move. His contract was crippling the team. Oh no, wait! They spent all the money on Robert Fucking Quinn, and they're still paying a shitload to Sue. Oh, they are. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that's traditional. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, Danny Amendola is like super useful in clutch situations in high-profile games, which the Dolphins aren't going to be in. Uh, Frank Gore, I, I'm, I'm sad. This, I, I like that Frank Gore has come home. You know, he's played yeah. the University of Miami, but like. This is kind of just sad. To be fair, I think he's not like vet main and he's just yeah. trying to get... I think he's got two round numbers to target this exactly. year. Yeah, sure, he's going to break a few records, but like, I just think it's it's sad because he's going to get killed by that O-line. And Albert Wilson, I believe, the uh, the loaf of bread. Yeah, loaf of bread. He uh, was uh, he's like he's he's a, he's a pretty decent like move the sticks short dive, short distance guy. He's no Jarvis Landry. I he's think not he's like this is the thing like he's he's a massive downgrade, and I think they're only paying him something like two and a half million less a year than, uh, than Jarvis Landry's this, getting. The, the other thing is is, is to know this this is I think quite important because I might say if when Tannehill gets injured again, Brock Osweiler is going to be the fucking starter. Yeah. What are they doing? What are they doing? Hey, they have Bryce Petty as well, don't worry. <laughs> oh, they have Bryce Petty, that's okay. Like, I mean, this team is... Do they have it? Like, is it really not as fucked as the Bills? I don't know. I See, I think they're more fucked. <laughs> like, I think, look, I think this team still has some talent. Like, it still has... Look, I think relative to the Bills, I think, like, they're... They still have some talent on the D-line. They're, like, Robert Quinn is being overpaid, but he's a good player. They still have Wake. They The O-line is okay, even though it's probably lost its best player. But again, he's an arsehole, so I don't really care that much. Mm. Like, the team is bad, but Tannehill will play better than Cutler played. Um, we did see some nice flashes from I think Kenyon Drake, Kenyon Drake last yeah. season at running back indication that he can he can certainly get it done. Uh, but the, the receiving core is the problem and has been the problem in Miami for a long time. In yeah, that there's nobody there to bail Tannehill out, and they're still in that situation. In fact, it's worse because their best player's gone. I, well, I, like, personally, I always thought Jar- Jarvis Landry was overrated, I, and I actually think Jarvis Landry created perverse incentives for the type of quarterbacks he's playing with in particular with Tannehill but also Jay Cutler in the sense that it's like oh it's like danger just throw the Jarvis Landry behind the line and get like two yards like if it, like you know Devontae Parker you know they took him in the first round a couple of years ago and whenever he has been on form he's looked very good very exciting it just hasn't been enough I think changing it around and not making like a slot receiver who you keep trying to make happen 
behind the line of scrimmage is a move forward for an offensive mind like Adam Gates. I think Jarvis Landry might have been holding that offense back and that that offense was holding Jarvis Landry back. I think he'll have a lot more fun in Cleveland, as we'll talk about. I think this offense will be actually be more interesting this season than it was last season. I don't know if it'll be better, but it'll be more interesting, and that will make the Dolphins from completely unwatchable, which they have been for two seasons, into maybe moderately watchable. Particularly as the, the defense will give up a few more points, and that might mean they'll have to go more exciting anyway. And I hope Frank Gore, you know, the wheels are still, like, Frank Gore is a metronome at this point. He will He's a good complement to Kenyon Drake. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm not positive on the Dolphins, but at least they have, like, an offensive line. They can do stuff on offense, unlike the Bills, who... Where, where I'm just like, like, what are you going to do behind an offensive line that you stitch together? We know what happens when you have a shit offensive line. Everything goes to shit. If your two lines are pretty good, you can put up solid results. And in such a weak AFC East, obviously you have four games in which you have a reasonable chance of getting wins. Uh, so I think if Connor's giving the AFC wins to the Bills, I'm probably giving them to the to the Dolphins just because they're more solid than those other two teams I, right now. I will clarify what I said when I said Frank Gore was sad. I didn't mean that Frank Gore was sad. I mean that Miami was a sad place for Frank Gore to end his career. <laughs> yeah. Um, just ah, I, think I, think, I, think, I think we all got you on that I love one, Frank yeah. Gore. Um, yeah, I look fair I think we fundamentally agree that the line, that the line, the trenches is what makes it seem better than the Bills. I'm, I've never been as sold on Parker as some people are, but I recognise that I have my uh, blind spots when it comes to players like that. I just... I. And I think we're probably pretty close on this. Uh, I think we're having the vanity of small differences or whatever at this point. But I think we can agree this team is better than the Bills, but also bad. I think we're uh, on that one. I think they're bad. I don't think they're better than the Bills. Okay. I, think I think they're better this year, but yeah, in the long run, the team is even. Like this team, uh, like whatever about uh, what they're doing in Buffalo, I still feel like they're doing a full rebuild. Whereas yeah. Miami is, you know, Adam Gates, who's on the Around the NFL podcast during the offseason, during like a special, the coaches meeting, and he just sounded sad and kind of like he knows, I think, that this is his last season head coaching, at least in Miami. And it's a dead team walking. But I think with the talent that they have, they can still eke out enough wins, but certainly not enough to save his job. And they're certainly not making the playoffs. So, Ronan, what's your guess on their win-loss? So I've been relatively positive. I'm going to give them 6-10 and 10 just because the kind of pre-existing talent they have but uh, next year's going to be a full rebuild so I don't know how much use that will be at that point Fair enough Harry? Uh, I have them 5-11 and 11, which I think makes them the third worst team in the AFC Fair enough I have them at 2-14 and 14, uh, being the worst team in the AFC Yeah I just think like literally pretty much everywhere got worse apart from the quarterback and the quarterback we don't know because he's coming off not playing for a year and a half so not fun uh, next up, we have <laughs> everyone's favourites, J-E-T-E, Jeet, <laughs> uh, the Jets. This is a team so that... Spanish is, it's French, sorry, it's Jete. Jete, Jetatest. Yeah, so they had a better year last year than people were expecting. Nothing... <laughs> Expectations were like two wins, so... Yeah, yeah, so they overperformed. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Yeah, they did. They, they, so they've gone very interesting. They moved up aggressively in the off season to make sure they had the positioning that they'd be able to get themselves a franchise quarterback. They've acquired a number of pieces. They've let a few pieces go, which should be an interesting one. So they've added into their quarterback room Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater. They've also added Isaiah Crowell, Terrell Pryor, Thomas Rawls, Tremaine Johnson, and Avery Williams. In terms of losses, Mohamed Wilkerson, Coney Ely are both gone. Austin Ferrian Jenkins is gone, and so is Demario Davis. So I suppose when we're looking at this team... We were expecting coming into this year that we'd be looking at a complete rebuild with a rookie quarterback and everything kind of kicking up from the ground up. I think they played well enough last year that it's obviously kept their kept their coach in a job and the players obviously respect them. So I'm wondering exactly what level of performance we need to see this year for them to, to, for him to keep his job. Is this a spot given... It's quite an interesting quarterback's conundrum that they've got at the moment because they've got Teddy Bridgewater on a one-year deal. Um, they have someone else on a one-year deal as well, don't they? Josh McCown. Josh McCown on the one-year deal. And uh, and then they've also then got the rookie, Sam Darnold. So the question is obviously who's going to start in that in that group. Like, Connor, Connor, forget about it. Sam <laughs> Darnold is starting. Sam <laughs> Darnold is the hero of New Jersey. He's Broadway Sam! <laughs> He's going to save the Jets. I don't mean to interrupt you, but all the other things with the Jets are literally irrelevant. <laughs> is that Sam Darnold is going to be starting week mm-hmm. one. And Sam Darnold, he's going to make a mistakes. He's going to have some issues. But Sam Darnold, 
I believed him in the, during the draft process that he was the best quarterback available. I think with the Jets, with the top bowls, they have a good head coach who won't like throw him into the deep end in the sense of like if, like not play to his strengths. And I think with Sam Darnold in tow, I don't think the Jets will be great. But I think the Jets can win games and they can put up something similar to what they did last season, but with the exception that they're not relying on a 35, 36-year-old journeyman. They're relying on a brand spanking new quarterback who is the face of your franchise. Jets Nation, get excited. Let's have some fun. Okay, so you're so you're expecting him to go in from the get go from week one. Yes, definitely. Okay. Harry, yeah, do you agree with that? I think yeah, uh, it's, it's it's plausible. I think we'll see what happens during camp. Uh, not to be like boring about it, but genuinely, we'll see what happens during camp. I think if they're high on him, it's probably the most likely um, of of those much uh, ballyhooed quarterbacks to to be a day one starter. Yeah, and um, we'll see. Bridgewater's an interesting one. I reckon they could end up like trading him for a pick to you know. Miami or somebody when their quarterback breaks down. I was gonna say like um, he, he, he strikes me as that kind Arizona. of like the, the 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 someone gets injured in yeah, camp. Absolutely, or hopefully not him. Uh, I kind of like what the Jets have done this season. Um, I'm not going to talk about Sam Darnold because I think Fitz has, has beaten that horse into the ground. From but, a positive perspective, you're free to criticize. <laughs> uh, look, I, I I I I fear that if I started criticizing it, I get like a 17 minute long rebuttal about the finer points no, of Sam no, Darnold's throwing motion. I'm not as high on Darnold as you are, but I think he'll be okay. I think, you know, rookie seasons are always tough to assess uh, for players, and I think he will have a tough rookie season because of the, the environment he's in. But I don't think he'll be a disaster. But I kind of like what they've done. Like, I like the pickups of Crowell and Rawls. Those are guys who can help out a quarterback. Like, neither of them are spectacular running backs. Both of them can pound the rock. Both of them can eat up clock, get yards, chip defense, all that cliched shit, because that's what they are. They're like pretty solid running backs. Nothing yep. amazing. The job trial prior is an interesting one. We've seen what he can do. We've also seen what he can't do. Um, change of scenery might be good if he's able to form some kind of connection with Donald, like we saw him having uh, in, in, back in Cleveland. Um, there might be a potential for that to, to, to sort of go off. And I think like guys like Avery Williamson are just very solid um, defensive pickups that are handy What because of what has been like an aging and overpaid unit is sort mm-hmm. of finally getting cycled through in the last of the Rex Ryan sort of stench is finally being washed out of the building mm-hmm. years later. I, I, I like what the Jets are doing. It, it It's not spectacular. It's like they're adding bits that are genuine needs. They're adding bits that are genuinely useful. Is this team going to be good? No. Is this team any better than last season? I can definitely see the how they're moving in that direction. I can definitely see them that they've added talent relative to where they were last season in key areas of need. So yeah, I like I, I I'm I wouldn't say high on the Jets, but I'm like relatively positive considering where they were a season ago. Yeah. I don't know. I just think there's a lot of change happening all at once, and I think it's going to be difficult to manage that. I think how they overperformed last year is going to inform some of how. Connor, they got five wins. Yeah, I mean, like people were calling them the number one pick overall, and winning no games. Like, like they got they got more out of their team last year than they should have. I think they're going to try and perform, but like, like, like even things like. Like Terrell Pryor coming in as the as the wide receiver one, presumably for them. Robbie Anderson. Well, Robbie Anderson as well. well Robbie Anderson's, Robbie Anderson's a problem with the. With oh, he's in jail, stuff, isn't he? Yeah. Jermaine, Jermaine Curse would be the other one. Because oh. he knew was also come back off injury, which could be intriguing. One of those, probably mm. your 15th round fantasy. Uh, yeah, flyer. Thing. But like that's like just there's just so much change happening here, and then like. The idea of Teddy Bridgewater hasn't really had that much playing time in recent times, and like Sam Darnold obviously being a rookie coming in, like trying to get them both up to speed in a system is a lot to be trying to do. Because like you're saying, if you don't want to be relying on your like thirty year old back or journeyman's, and like you need to get one of those two up to speed to be starting straight away, like there's just and I, like even things like their depth on the defensive front isn't as good as it was so I don't know whether they're going to be able to rotate as well and get as much production out of that group I don't know really a huge amount about what they're doing in the in the defensive backfield like I think they're going to fall off a little bit but I do think what they're going to do in in doing this is they're going to basically clear out a load of stuff like you're saying you're, you're assuming a lot of that stuff's been cleared already I think some of it has, some of it's still there, and some of these pieces are pieces they don't know whether they fit or not. And I think they're going to have a season where they do that, and they're going to just get rid of Todd Bowles after this season and bring in someone to then take Sam Darnold's on the way for the next four years of his rookie contract and bring in the pieces that fit that system. I think this is almost intentionally a throwaway season for them, which is also why I don't think Sam Darnold is necessarily going to start first week. I think it'll be a little bit later after 
Fortunately, again, someone gets broken maybe just after that Vikings game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that'll be... Tell you, Todd Bowles already has like a shrine to Sam Darnold in his bedroom. He does terrible things to every oh, night. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, so, I suppose, uh, where do we have... This? Is there any other thing, comments you want to make in them, or do, where do we guys have these this team sitting at the moment? I would, I would rather, Harry, like, they got rid of a few more toxic personalities. I think that makes a difference as well. I think Todd Bowles, one of his biggest issues was that there were so many toxic personalities he's had to basically wait like two years to clear all of them out. But uh, I, after all the hype, uh, I'm giving them a 6 and 10 finish. Fair enough. I am giving them a 4 and 12 finish, which is good enough for 13th in the AFC. I have them 7 and 9, which is 9th in the AFC, and I'll make a bold prediction. They're going to split their games with the Pats. Interesting. I'm trying to remember because they have to have done. No, no. I presume that's like two losses and a loss. Because I've given them a three and three divisional record. I'm like, what are those against the Pats? No, no, yeah, I don't probably, think so. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which brings us nicely on to the, uh, the the cream of the crop. It rises to the top. They always seem to believe Mark Wahlberg is a cop. The Patriots, New England Patriots. Sitting upon what's what's the term? Fits the throne of ease, isn't it? Yeah. So this is interesting. Like. Lots of stuff has changed. I don't think that matters. <laughs> Never seems to fucking matter, does it? No. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Um, I like that we've gone all in on recycling uh, like Cleveland Browns as well. This is, this is great. It's very exciting. <laughs> um, with uh, Jason McCourney and Danny Schultz. Yeah, so no. do you want to give us a quick update on... Uh, so lost the Super Bowl. Very tight, very exciting game. Now they've blown it up. Everything's gone. And they're expecting a 2-14 and 14 season, yeah? <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. And uh, no, we'll save that for when Brady retires, then we're fucked. Um, it's interesting. Like, the Pats are always kind of loading up for one last run, right? And I think that's happening again a little bit. Like, like, we've lost a couple of players I'm a bit sad we've lost. Like, Butler going and, and Nate Solder, who yeah. I think was overrated, but was good. And good left tackles are fucking hard to find. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we've necessarily drafted a replacement with, with like, Trent Brown... It, it is a right tackle, so I don't know what we're going to do with left tackle, really. Like maybe we'll put Brown over there, or maybe Marcus Cannon. Marcus Cannon did not do well when playing left tackle before. Is, is Wynn a guard, is he? Uh, Wynn's both. It's it, it, He projects as being either, so that's the thing. We don't have yeah. a lockdown left tackle, and that's the problem, because Tom Brady is fucking ancient. But look, we've made some interesting additions. We now have the entire Cincinnati backfield from 2015. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sony Michael is a nice draft pickup, kind of like that. Uh, Jordan Matthews won't make it out of camp. But, like... I feel like this team will not look as good in the regular season as it did last year and then will just fucking turn it on come the playoffs. There is a lot of change going on here. Um, the receiving, like losing Cooks and Amandola and now on top of that losing um, Edelman to a, a suspension and of course losing Dion Lewis who's the best pass catching running back on the team. That's a lot of weapons. That's a lot of catches leaving leaving New England right there. That's yeah. a lot of guys that Tom Brady had very good connection with. Like, well, 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 he didn't necessarily go. fit the system. Like Cooks was what, 1,100 yards? Cooks, Cooks did things that other wide receivers can't, couldn't do yeah. uh, on our team. And was very important part of the Super Bowl. Right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not takes. I mean, I mean, Kenny Britt. Takes Kenny Britt was technically there, and he fills both of those uh, uh, categories. Are you sure Kenny Britt doesn't take steroids? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not. I'm are not you sure Kenny Britt exists? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If Kenny Britt catches the ball, are you sure it's not like a racist cousin seen. of Danny Amendola? <laughs> uh, yes, I, I, that last one I am sure. <laughs> but like, it's a weird spot for the Patriots. There's a lot of turnover here on the offense in particular, and this has been a team that sort of, you know, changes the defense quite frequently or has them to find the pieces that work. But the offense has kind of, although we haven't really realized it, there have been a few, like, sort of core linchpins in that over the last two, three seasons. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of, a lot of them are kind of gone now. So it's going to be interesting to see how they adapt to that. And I think this might be one of those sort of slow start seasons from the Patriots where they don't look very good and then they lose their first couple of games against big opponents like Kansas City or Green Bay who I think they're playing mm. this season fortunately for the Pats they haven't well firstly AFC East but secondly the Pats other than a couple of tough games like that yeah. have a shit easy schedule yeah. and will be fine but there's definitely concerns about the just the offen- level of offense leaving the team right now that we're relying on a lot of unknowns and bit part players to step up and while that's Belichick if anyone can do that it's Belichick it doesn't always work 100% of the time. So, yeah, definitely concerned. Not worried that we won't make the playoffs or anything, but just that this team is, is going to be tough to watch while it figures itself out for a little while. Yeah, and like when we look at the defense, 
like obviously there was a question mark following the Super Bowl about the benching of Butler and mm. what was going on there. He also had the issue pretty much throughout the year of, oh, what's a linebacker? Yeah. Like, is it the kind of spot where you think that they're that some of these pieces that they've brought in are going to be able to step in and, and help to fix those gaps on the defense? Like, I'll come to you on this one, Fitz. Like, do you think that that's been improved enough to, to, to kind of cover up if the offense stutters a little bit at the start? Or is, is it just more kind of like, you know, Bill Belichick will have to scheme around his own GMing? No, I, I think like the, the players that they brought in, they were decent choices. I think like Adrian Claiborne, they got him up on the cheap. Uh, and he, while he isn't, I wouldn't say he's an elite pass rusher. He's a good all-around defensive end. He he's like good and both in the run and and the in in pass rush. He's just decent. And considering the paucity of options they had to pass rush last season, um, I think that's uh, something that they definitely needed. Uh, besides Trey Flowers, basically. No one could pass, like could get to the quarterback, and then Danny Sheldon's an interesting kind of defensive tackle choice. Like the, the Patriots never go too expensive on defensive tackles, and I think Danny Sheldon is just a nice like uh, throw the dart they've done with mm-hmm. a trade with Cleveland. And Jason McCourty adds some decent veteran depth in the defensive backfield, which they could probably do with uh, with Mark Pullergon. I think with Bill Belichick, you always believe that this defense will be good, and they're getting Dante Hightower back, obviously yeah. after his injury. And I just think with Dante Hightower back and these kind of solid veteran adds. The defense, like it's never going to be like the number one defense, probably, but it should be a good, decent, like a good, like you know, above midfield defense, and that's usually enough with the Patriots within Tom Brady and whatever they can do in the offense. Um, so I think nothing really to worry about there uh, with the Patriots making the playoffs, and then whatever they do after that, uh, you'd have to give them favorites still. No, like, of you course. Know, like, you know, like they have all these players that they brought in. We'll see what they do. Uh, the only real issue for them is, you know, for fantasy players trying to choose which ones will actually be good before the season starts. Oh, I wonder what aging veterans will be released in week eight and all of a sudden become fucking superstars in the in the postseason. <laughs> I think the, the the point about high tower cannot be emphasised enough. Like New England's problem on defence was just a complete lack of depth at the linebacker position. It wasn't a lack of talent at the superficial level. Like high tower is a guy who changes that defence when he plays. Mm-hmm. If he can stay healthy this season, it's it will be fine. He will be able to organise the mediocre talent around him. But when they don't have an organiser and are relying on um, uh, Devin McCourty to organise from the safety spot, it becomes a, a lot more difficult. So, yeah, I think Fitz is 100% correct on Fair that. Enough. So, Harry, what's your, what's your call on the record here? I have the Pats going 11-15, and 15, which, given that this is the AFC, is good enough for the number one seed. 11-15 and 15 is a very impressive amount of games to be playing. 11-5, wow. 11-15, <laughs> we get 10 free games and we lose them all. Um, <laughs> Number one seed, and I think this team is going to catch fire in the playoffs and go all the way. Mm. I've got them going 13-3, and three. again one seed, and I think at the moment making it up to the championships and winning it. But we'll see, that can be reassessed by the time they first, the first week runs around. 12-4 and four here, also number one seed, and making it to the Super Bowl, but not winning. Oh! <laughs> and that's why you have to tune in next week! <laughs> But yeah, no. So that's that seems pretty good. Uh, we so discussed the bills, didn't we? we yeah, we, we we pretty much know exactly what we what we expect here. Patriots to do very well. Everyone else to flounder. Like even with the positives we're seeing, we've got no one getting even a, a five hundred record uh, outside of the Patriots in this division. Which I suppose, yeah, like they're all we all reckon they're around the level where they'll lose to each other a little bit, and then they'll lose to the Patriots. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it's 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 Miami ha- might win a game, and Harry says the Jets might win a game. Yeah. Miami, Miami, Miami always like traditionally steal a game off the Pats at the end of the season when they play in Miami. It's I like have I, I, I have Miami and winning two games, and one of them is against the Pats. Yeah, like <laughs> but <laughs> Miami play at home against the Pats at the end of the season pretty much every time, and it's yeah. like 100, 120 degrees, and the Pats are already in the playoffs. So yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I think that's what I was. I think it's like week thirteen or something to play them away this time so it's like yeah that probably seems about right because Miami ret- reminds Tom Brady of the reality of retirement <laughs> someday for you Tom someday that's true so that wraps us up for the AFC East and for this week we're going to move on to next week the AFC North which will cover the Bengals the Browns the Ravens and the Steelers we'll go a bit on depth on them give us our re- predictions and how we think they're going to kind of settle out the rest of this year. So uh, for the moment, that's bye from myself, bye from Harry. See ya. Bye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.